Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 25. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Communion, are you listening, is fellowship, And it speaks of unity and it speaks of oneness. You are literally becoming united with one another as you shared a meal. Jesus, look at the Gospels. Jesus loved to eat. That's why we want to be like Jesus. (laughs) Somebody say amen. You know that's right. And Jesus didn't have any shame either. Jesus would invite himself over for something to eat. I love that about him. You know, if I've eaten with you, I probably invited myself over. I'm coming over what we're eating. And Jesus would do that. Jesus loved to eat. Jesus loved the fellowship. Jesus loved to get around the table with folks. And Jesus invites us to his table of communion and fellowship. And that's why when we have communion here, it's more than just remembering his death and his resurrection and his blood being shed. It's more than that. It's fellowship. You are becoming one with him when you take communion. Fellowship at the table. You know, one of my favorite stories, and if you're not familiar with this story, you ought to get familiar with it. One of my favorite stories about communion and fellowship is found in 2 Samuel chapter 9. Don't turn there. Write that down. Look it up in your own time. Listen to me. 2 Samuel chapter 9. It's the story of a guy named Mephibosheth. I don't know anyone who names their son Mephibosheth, do you? I've never heard this name before. And Mephibosheth, you know the story, he was the son of Jonathan, and he was the grandson of Saul. And it was Saul, don't you remember, who kept trying to kill David. So Jonathan and David were best friends, and David promised, listen, David promised Jonathan that he would show kindness to his family. So one day David found out that Jonathan had family members living in a place called Lodabar. Lodabar means no pasture, no pasture. So David called for Mephibosheth to invite him to the king's table to eat. And Mephibosheth comes in not knowing that David's inviting him to the table. And Mephibosheth is thinking, hey, you know what? My granddad was mean to David. When Mephibosheth gets the call that King David wants to see him, Mephibosheth starts knees knocking, palms sweating. He's afraid because he's thinking that, hey, you know what? I better get my last will and testament together because this is over for me. And so Mephibosheth, he comes in. He's bowing down to David. He's broken. He's lame. And he's deserving of death. And David calls his name. Second Samuel 9, read it tonight. David calls his name Mephibosheth. 
Now, I don't get the tone. Remember I told you, when you read the Bible, it's very important that you, that you get the tone. Tone is everything when you read the Bible. You understand that? Say amen. amen. If you're breathing, say amen. amen. <laughs> Tone's everything. Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? Tones everything. Mephibosheth. Or Mephibosheth. You see, tone is everything. I don't believe, as you read the story, I don't believe there was a harsh tone there. I think it was soft and gentle. And then David tells him, he says, don't be afraid. I'm going to show grace to you and I'm going to restore you and you will eat at my table. Now, listen, you cannot miss this as you read this story. You can't miss it. Mephibosheth is a picture of every single Christian. Mephibosheth is a picture of every single one of us. You see, we were living before becoming a Christian. And you'll say amen to this. We were living in a place called Lodabar. No pasture. Don't you know? There's nothing out there in the world. You know, maybe that's a word for somebody tonight. Maybe you've been thinking about, well, I might as well just go back out in the world and have some fun. The Christian thing's not working. Not meeting a man. I didn't think I was going to get too many amens there. Not meeting a wife. Nothing's happening in this Christian thing. I think I'll go back out in the world. Listen, there is no, there's nothing in Lodabar. Nothing. Nothing in Lodabar, the place of no pasture. Every single one of us was living in that place. Every single one of us was hungry and thirsty and broken and lame and can't walk and deserving of death. Amen. Good morning, 10 people. Say amen. I know I was. Deserving of death. And then one day, listen, one day, here comes the good news. We came into the presence of the greater than King David, and his name is Jesus. And he saved us. And he called our name. Just like David called Mephibosheth. And he called it in a gentle tone. Jesus called your name, and he wasn't angry with you when you got saved. Did you know God is not angry with you? People paint that picture, God's angry, he's going to get you. You know, the people like it, get you. You know, if I don't come to God, he's going to get you. If you do something wrong, it's like, ah. You know, people have that, that harsh mentality of this is not God. God is not angry with you. God loves you. God loves you. And when you love somebody, you're not like, Argh. Well, maybe sometime, but no, it's just a joke. But I mean, you know, you, you're not, you know, you, you love them and, you, and you're gentle toward them. And Jesus was gentle toward us when he called our name, Rodney, David. He said, Johnny, I have to think about it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And Jesus comes. And he says to us to come to the table and eat and come to the table and be healed and come to the table and be restored. So did you get that now? The table, notice it back in our text here. We just read it. The table had 12 loaves of bread on it. And that's the only thing you want to get this that is on the table. 
Now, the Bible does tell us in verse 29 that they were to make dishes and pans and pitchers. Go ahead and look at it. Dishes and pans and pitchers and bowls for the pouring. But the only thing that's on the table, according to our text, is the 12 loaves of bread, not the pitchers and the pans, although they are made of gold. Obviously, they were somewhere lower. Obviously, they probably were maybe even on the floor. Who knows? But the 12 loaves were on the table. The table of showbread, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The table of showbread literally means the table of the presence of bread or the table of the bread of presence. Either way in the the Hebrew language, actually. The table of the bread of the presence. Very interesting. So the bread was to be replaced, as you look at Leviticus 24, and you look at our text here in Exodus 25, this bread was to be replaced every seven days. Now get this, in the Talmud, which is a collection of rabbinic writings consisting of the Mishnah, it is recorded or believed that when the priest came to replace the bread with new loaves every seven days, that they found the bread from the previous week still hot and fresh out of the oven. Isn't that fascinating? This is in the Mishnah, which they attribute to the fact of the divine presence of God that rested in the holy place. If it's not true, it sure is good. (laughs) Isn't that right? It is. But it's interesting enough, get this, to this day, Jewish people really don't understand the significance of the showbread. And I believe the reason they don't is because they're still looking for the Messiah to come and they don't understand who Jesus is. They don't understand what he came to do and what he's done for them. And by the way, the bread that was on the table was perforated and pierced. Very interesting. You see, I believe that if the Jews knew that Jesus, who he was and what he came to do, I believe that they would then understand in John chapter 6, right around verse 35, as Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. And Jesus said, he who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. See, I believe when they understand who Jesus is, then they'll understand that, that Jesus is the Messiah. And they'll understand that Jesus is the bread of life. They'll understand that Jesus is the only one that can satisfy the cravings of a hungry soul. Jesus is the living word. He's the word of God, the living word of God. Well, not only is Jesus the living word of God, but listen, the bread on the table also speaks of, watch this, something that's in your hand. This bread on the table not only speaks of Jesus, but it also speaks of something that's in your hand. What's in your hand? The Bible. This bread speaks of the Bible, speaks of the written word of God. The word of God, listen, is like bread to your soul. Amen. Amen. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, your words were found and I did eat them. It was in Job chapter 23, verse 12, it says, I've esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. God's word, did you know this? Is like food. That's why you have to read it. That's why churches have to teach it. 
Preaching is good. Don't misunderstand me. Preaching and evangelism has its place. But God's word needs to be taught. God's word needs to be learned so that you can grow because you can't grow apart from God's word. Because it's like food. You can't grow without eating food. You need food, the nutrients and the nourishment that offers that food offers to your body. So God's word offers nutrients and nourishment to your soul. That's why you need God's word. Let me tell you something. Worship is wonderful. All the accoutrements that go on with church is wonderful. But God's word is primary. You know, I was talking, I think my wife or my mom or something, I was telling the interesting thing that Jesus said himself. Think about this. He said, heaven and earth would pass away, but what? Somebody help me. My word shall never pass. Do you know everything that goes on in the church today will pass? We are filled with the spirit of God now as believers But when we get to heaven, we won't be spirit filled. Y'all never even thought of that, did you? You won't be spirit filled when you get to heaven because you'll be in the presence of God and you will know even as you are known. The spirit is sent and given to keep you here on earth that you might learn and love and grow and worship and all the things that you need to happen in this thing called the Christian life, God has deposited his spirit. When he went up, the spirit came down. And now the comforter, the Holy Spirit lives within you. But when he takes you up, you won't be spirit filled in heaven. Nobody will be speaking in tongues in heaven. Somebody say amen. You won't be speaking in tongues in heaven. Every nation, tribe, and tongue will be in heaven. But you don't need the gift of interpretation in heaven. Because we'll be in his presence. The only underscore bold capital letters. The only thing that endures forever is what? God's word endures forever. Forever. And that's why we need it. That's why we need to study it. That's why we need to know it. That's why you need to read the book of Revelation and find out what heaven looks like. So when you get there, you won't be ignorant. <laughs> Some folk go get there. What in the world is that thing? Well, that would be the tree of life. For the healing of the nations. Did you read your Bible? Well, no, you know, I just, I don't know what happened. You got to read the word. Amen. God's word is like food. The living word of God endures forever. Now, you want to also notice, as I pointed out earlier, on this table is the, um, the, the, the showbread. And the only thing on the table is a showbread. And you want to notice, although the utensils, watch this, are created by God, instructed that they create them, that they make them, that they overlay them with gold, that, that, they, that they make them, all this is instructed by God. They are not on the table next to the bread. They are not. You know, it made me think of something. I think of books, tapes commentaries, all of these things. Listen, saints, I hope this helps you. 
All of these things are good. They are blessing. They are helpful. But they are not a substitute for God's word. And I don't know about you, but in the church today, have y'all noticed there's so many Christian books and everybody's reading something, some kind of book. Oh, Pastor Rodney, have you read this? People give me copies of books. If you give me a copy of book, please. Thank you. That's nice. I can honestly tell you that most of the books that people give me, I have the opportunity to peruse those books. There's your word for the day. Peruse those books. But I don't have a lot of time to read a lot of books because I, I, I got 66 right here. I got to still get these. I haven't even gotten all of it yet. I'm trying to get these. And oftentimes I think Christians fall into this trap. They're reading a lot of books. They know a lot about this author and what this person said and what that person said. And oh, by the way, oh, they got scripture references in them, Roddy. I mean, they references the scriptures. I mean, they do. They're Christian books. And they're reading all these Christian books, but they're not reading the Bible. Now, that happens a lot. Please don't do that to yourself. That is a recipe for disaster. You are on a fast track collision course to to crash as a Christian because those books can't sustain you. God's word can sustain you. I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm, trying, I'm helping myself right now. I don't know. Maybe y'all ain't getting it. <laughs> but I, man, those books cannot sustain you. They are not a substitute for God's word. Books and commentaries and all of these things, tapes and CDs. Look, I encourage you, please get my CDs. Please get my CDs. Please get my CDs. Did I ask you to get my CDs? That's great. But don't listen to my CDs or my teaching series or anything other media or material. And you're not spending time in God's word. It's so important. Just like these utensils were not equal to the showbread. They were an addition to, but they weren't equal to because the showbread, which represents the living word of God, which represents Jesus himself, was on the table. Those utensils. The pots, the pans, the dishes, the the tongs that they used to pick up the bread because they couldn't just pick up the bread. They had to use instruments to get the bread and to take the bread off the table and replace it with other bread. And the priests, by the way, they were the ones who could eat the bread once the bread was taken off the table, which was kind of nice because even seven days later, the bread was still hot. So they got nice hot bread, butter. (laughs) Making myself hungry here. But the priests were the only ones who could eat the bread. Isn't that interesting? The world could eat the bread. No other person could eat the bread. Just the priest could eat the bread. You know, just the Bible says we are kings and priests. You know, only Christians can really eat the bread of the word of God. You know, there's only so far you can go. As you're talking to non-believers, and that's just to the point of evangelism, you need to get this. Jesus died for you. Jesus loves you. Jesus ascended. Jesus is coming back. And if you want to be saved, there ain't no other way to get to heaven except through him. That's about as far as you can go with a non-believer. You can't give them the word of God, the deep things of the word of God, because they can't really understand it. The natural man understands not the things of the spirit. You understand? And I think what we see in our churches today is is a lot of, you know... uh, (sighs) A lot of the 
the, the, the proclamation of, and, the, and, and, the, and the teaching of, of God's word is if everybody in the audience is saved and everybody can get it. You know, only God's people can really partake of God's word, of the bread of the word of God. Do you understand? It's huge. We learn all these little things. And, you know, I was talking to a, a brother on email. We we're talking about Jesus in the tabernacle. And he sent me back an email. He said, he said, uh, all of these little pearls that we've been getting, he mentioned. And I thought that's the best way to say it. Because as you study Jesus in the tabernacle, that's what you get. I hope you're getting it. You get this string of pearls, things that we've seen and jewels and coming to life. And things that we're learning, things that we can glean, things that we can reflect on, you know, just like pearls. So the table attached to the table. Notice we just talked about it, just read it. Were poles like the ark, remember, so that it could be mobile. They were to move the table and they weren't able to touch the table. They had to pick the table up with the poles that were attached to the tables carried by the priest. In other words, listen, wherever the people were, the table and the bread was to be there as well. Wherever the people were. The table and the bread, which represents the word of God, was to be with them. Well, here's a pearl for you. Listen, wherever you go, take the Bible. Take the word of God. You know, David said in Psalm 23, Psalm 23, 5. David said, you prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. Listen, wherever you are, if you have the word of God with you, you got a meal. Have you ever thought of that? Wherever you are, you have the Bible with you. You have got a feast before you. Wherever you go, take your Bible. I take my Bible wherever I go. If I go to the gym, my Bible is in my car or in my gym bag because I may get on the elliptical and read it. I don't care if people get offended. That doesn't bother me because they read all kinds of stuff. People magazine and all these other things. And I don't care. I take my Bible wherever I go. Saints, take your Bible wherever you go. I wonder, question, do you? You take your Bible everywhere you go. You, sh- I, you shouldn't be too far from your Bible. You know, it, it's just it's nice when you just can just grab your Bible. You know, you go into the doctor's office, grab your Bible. You have time to read it. You're waiting in line, take your Bible. You're going to, like, DMV or something, you're going to be there for 20 hours. You, you might as well get some Bible study in. Somebody say amen. Now, you know, that's right. Good grief. What do they pay those people? I mean, you know, they must not pay them a lot because they just, they just take their time. I seen one woman in the line was like, way over there. She went on a break. Said, no, you didn't. Oh, my break, that's my break time. I, I get with y'all. I'm like, Okay, you know, if you're, you know, you're waiting on somebody, read your Bible. If you're going to be sitting somewhere for some time, we'll leave it at that. Take your Bible. <laughs> I don't even know where that came from. I'm sorry. It's just, I, I, you know, you know what? I, I'm sure you guys saw this. Check this out. Did you see this? Uh, you probably did floating around email and I love it. It's cell phone 
versus the Bible. Have you guys seen that? Wave at me. Look. Okay, only two of us. Okay, well then I should read it. Listen, cell phone versus the Bible. I wonder what would happen if we treated our Bible like we treat our cell phone. What if we carried it around in our purses or pockets? What if we flipped through it several times a day? What if we turned back to go get it if we forgot it? What if we used it to receive messages from the text? What if we treated it like we couldn't live without it? What if we gave it to our kids as gifts? What if we used it when we traveled? What if we used it in the case of emergency? This is something to make you go, hmm, where is my Bible? Oh, and one more thing. Unlike our cell phone, we don't have to worry about our Bible being disconnected because Jesus already paid the bill. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.